Hello, you're listening to Deathbed Discs with your host, Jade Robles. On this podcast, I ask my guests to bring five songs that they want played at their funeral. In 2018, three people very close to me died in the space of eight months, and it changed my perspective on grief and death forever. It opened my eyes to the often sad, strange, and sometimes even a little bit funny world of both death and grief, and how important it is to talk openly about it. And what better way to talk about it than through music? Welcome to Deathbed Discs with your host Jade DeRobles. Today I'm joined by Mark Lemon, the award-winning children's author, broadcaster, grief and mental health speaker and bereavement ambassador for the children's charity Winston's Wish. Mark also curates a beautiful Instagram page full of resources and nuggets of wisdom that can help you get through some of the darkest days and lightest of days. Welcome Mark. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you doing on this fine day? I'm okay, I'm good. I'm, I am good i I'm enjoying the silence of our house before I yeah. go and pick the kids up. Yeah. It must be nice after a whole lockdown period, right? It must have been madness for everyone at home. Pretty bonkers, pretty <laughs> crazy. You know, you'd have to escape to one room and be lucky to find it with no one in it. And um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was quite surreal when they went back to school, definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that we get to talk to you today. Um, as I mentioned to you before, I've been a long time supporter of your work and I'm really excited that you're here on Deathbed Discs with us. So without further ado, I'm going to ask you your first question. Have you ever thought about your funeral before? Yes, I have. I have thought about it, um, which I guess you, you, you do think about it when you've experienced the, the loss of someone else. You know, you do think, okay, mm. I wonder what mine will be like or who will be there or what, you know, how many people will be there or, and um, yeah, I guess it's a kind of a, a mix of sadness and uh, and sort of joy in a way, but depending on obviously <laughs> how you go, I guess, you know, that's, but yeah, it's quite, it's a big thing, isn't it? Mm. Do you think that after having experienced death closely, do you think it's made you think about it more, think about your own funeral more, or think about death differently? Yeah, definitely yes to both. Um, I think throughout the last 29 years, I've slowly but surely maybe got more used to the idea of death. Um, I think it kind of scared me at first, obviously, but mm. it's funny, actually, this morning I was watching a documentary on Sky News that someone recently uh, produced, and it's... Um, to do with with death and around the world and and how you know the differences of uh, of cultures and wow. and it was incredible yeah just how mm. in Nepal and how Mexico and how they all deal with it in their their own way and their own unique you know and it's just yeah amazing and and obviously how still in the UK we're very much sort of reserved and still yeah um, but yeah both yeah definitely. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how different cultures like talk about death and, and and grief. And it really does make us see like in Western society how, 
you know, we, you know, how closed we really are with, with, with these topics. Um, mm. And I think most of us, even a lot of us probably have thought about, you know, kind of funerals, but sort of in the back of our minds and never really expressed it as much, which is, um, I guess, why we're here really to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so back in sort of end of January, my father-in-law died after six months of an illness and um, and his, his funeral was obviously, it was a Caribbean funeral. Um, in terms of the traditions and and the way that they you know they did it, and it was incredible. It was amazing the way that um, you know at the end all the the you know I mean it's very sort of traditional like the men kind of help read it, fill the grave and mm. you know, there's a term for it but I can't remember it's kind of it's slipped my mind but you know, what was more amazing at the end was my son who was ten asked to f- help help and uh, wow. Yeah, it was really powerful. It was really powerful to see because that's, you know, the granddad who he, he loved more than anything on earth and it's such an amazing relationship with and, and then all of a sudden he's putting soil into his, his grave. And and so these sort of little traditions were really amazing to see, you know. Um, and, and and I think more, more importantly, having the kids part of it as well was really mm. important for us, you know, for me and my wife as well, because a lot of the time children maybe don't get to go to the funerals and they don't, they're, they're not sort of uh, exposed to it. And, yeah, um, 100%. And so I think it was really important that, that they got to, uh, got to kind of see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not be so shielded from it. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I have a lot of questions actually about that, but first I really want to ask you what your first song is and why you've chosen it. So it would be the Endo, Endo, Endo. Enigma? Enigma, Endo, Enigma, Enigma, Endo. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was trying to think as well. Which one, what did I say first? Um, yeah, so Enigma and um, do you know what? I, this music kind of just reminds me of me and my dad driving to uh, football or tennis or wherever it, it might be. And we, um, at the time, I think the album came out in 1991. Obviously, at the time, it was on cassette, you know, so you put it in the in the car and listen to it. And, you know, there, there wasn't really any singing in it. It was a, mainly instrumental. But that kind of, after he died, I remember listening to, to that album. And obviously, it was very emotional. It drew a lot of old, a lot of memories, a lot mm. of difficult sort of feelings. Um, and then... I think it was like last year, I thought, oh, it kind of popped into my head one day. So I, I looked it up on YouTube and that's the brilliant thing about YouTube, obviously, is you mm, can just yeah. bring things up that you haven't seen or watched or heard in, in a long time. And and this song kind of just really, um, just sort of brought a lot of feelings back of those times together. Yeah, yeah, nice. it's pretty good. Yeah, definitely.
For licensing reasons, you will only be hearing 30-second clips of all the songs chosen by our lovely guests. But if you want to hear the full thing, which you definitely should, you can follow our very own Deathbed Discs playlist. Right, now back to the show. I love that. How do you feel listening to that, Mark? Yeah, that was amazing. I bet where I'm sat here, I'm sort of sat on a hallway, so I'm looking out the window mm. and there's the clouds and it's almost very atmospheric and it kind of really took me back to being in that car with him. And uh, yeah, those, those sort of times that we had. And it's, it's incredible. That's why this podcast is amazing because it just transports you, doesn't it? Mm. Music is just so powerful. And uh, yeah, and it just sort of, yeah, resonates. It will always resonate as, as one of those standout sort of uh, tracks that reminds mm. me of just before he died, you know. Yeah. When I, yeah. that happens to me a lot when I'm like out and about somewhere and I kind of hear, uh, me and my stepfather used to have a couple of James Bay songs that we'd, that would always come out after a, gl- a few glasses of wine. Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> and whenever I'm somewhere and I kind of hear that in the background, it just gives me like great comfort. It's almost like a, uh, sort of just just like almost like a hug kind of like wherever I am and it, it kind of um like grounds me as well it's a it's a nice feeling they always pop up when you least expect them to as well don't they somewhere you know like, yeah where'd that come from okay I, I yeah I once had the weirdest one that popped up once which is I, w- I was on a plane and um suddenly the pilot was like hi my name is douglas and my grandfather's name was douglas and you know when grief just comes in waves and you just don't expect it sometimes and i remember i was i'd had a really great day i was on top form and and i remember just sitting on this plane and hearing the pilot today will be is called uh, my name is douglas and i remember i was like and i just like completely like broke down in tears because my grandpa really liked planes as well and so it was like Mm. the whole thing and i remember just like feeling this like overwhelming sensation of um like sadness out of nowhere i really remember just feeling like like shocked almost (laughs) it was a real kind of moment of shock actually it happens all the time yeah, you just learn to deal with those situations in a way, don't you? You're sort of, okay. Sometimes I feel a tingle up the back of my spine if I'm doing something that involves my dad or, you know, if I'm really trying to tune into him sometimes. I'm a bit, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a hugely spiritual guy, but I have, there's something there, an energy that I do believe in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you uh you kind of briefly touched on it before and I think it's so interesting and it's actually come up quite a a few times on the podcast um, around sort of children and grief and bereavement and we actually one of our guests was Ted Dewan who is uh, the author and creator of the show Bing which is for kids and they actually did an episode on death and we had an amazing conversation sort of around around, because I was like how do you even approach how do you like break down death for children right and 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 you know we mentioned it before how like we live in a society where you know I wasn't allowed to see people die when I was little I was put to the side almost you know like it, you, you kind of just go to these funerals and you see people dressed in black but you don't really understand where you're there or what you're doing mm. or mm. what's going on or at least that's the kind of sentiment that I remember having all the time and um, I have nieces and nephews and I'm constantly thinking what do I do or how how will I tell them um, 
you know, how will I talk to them about the subject? Um, mm. So I think for me, um, it's super interesting to hear from you as also a children's author, and you wrote a book specifically about child bereavement. Um, is it called Wind in the Willow? <laughs> or what is it called, Willow? That's Wind. a great story. No, no, it's called The Magical Wood. Magical Wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to love The Wind in the Willows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it would be lovely to hear how how that process started and I guess what your approach is to, mm. you know, sort of unpacking that with uh, death with children. Yeah, it's really hard. It is hard mm. when we're dealing with children. And um, I remember at the time I was I was supporting uh, Children's Bereavement Charity Winston's Wish, which I'm an ambassador for. And, um, and I was kind of thinking, I wonder what my fifth book should be. And then it just made sense that I should write one for children to do with grief. And mm. and I actually remember, I remember speaking to my wife about it and just trying to come up with some ideas. And then all of a sudden it just struck me that maybe I should just treat it like the seasons and, you know, based on a family of trees. And, um, you know, one night there's a terrible gale and the uh, strongest tree is blown to the woodland floor and sadly dies. And then the next morning, guardian tree is left to look after the other trees and is supported throughout each season by a new animal who offers um, advice and support um, wow. to the trees and it kind of takes you through ending in spring basically because you know I always see spring as that kind of time of hope you know and my, my dad died in May but I sort of always see it as you know the flowers start to grow and and, and actually at the end of the book um, flowers start to grow where strongest tree once stood. And um, and so it's kind of throughout the story, I wanted to give words of hope in a guess, you know, in, mm. in, sort of, in a way of, um, uh, you know, when someone special dies, it's always hard to believe. Please remember when I tell you they're with you in the breeze through the leaves, you know, and mm. so it's kind of, it's just letting you know that their energy lives on. They're always around you. They're always with us, wherever you are. And it's it's funny because I've had so many messages from the parents who've read it or, or guardians or whoever they are who've, who've read it to their the child. Well, they've read it to themselves before they've, and they've just messaged me saying how oh, I was in bits, but it was so lovely and it really wow. resonated with me as well. And And that kind of just sort of told me that you know, we all, no matter what age we are, you know, words can resonate and and mean uh, so much anyway. So, um, yeah, that that in my mind, that was kind of the best way that I could come up with a story that might sit well with children um, and sort of explain um, to them that you know, whoever's died is, is although they're gone, they're all they're they're sort of all yeah, around they're... us. They're always here. Mm. and everything that you do um so yeah although it was really difficult to come up with the idea because it's hard isn't it I mean it's yeah. hard to, to and I went over to Winston's Wish and I sat down with a couple of the guys from the team there just to say look am I on the right track here I, I'd sort of, mm. I'd narrated it into my phone and I'd made up the voices and everything because you know I did just release the audio book at the end of last year and and I'm the narrator and you have to come up with the voices and stuff but um <laughs> That was quite fun. Or the different but, um, characters. Different characters, different trees. Yeah. yeah, you know. But I quite enjoyed all that. But anyway, so the one thing that Winston's Wish were trying to make me aware of is don't say um, gone to sleep, you know. 
Mm. They're not in the stars, you know. It's it's dead. Avoid the cliches, they've died. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've died, and because children appreciate being told in a an honest way, um, done in the right way, obviously, mm. um, with the right sensitivity, obviously. Exactly, um, and so that's what I hope the book kind of you know takes a, a child on on that journey, um, and the adult actually, whoever's reading it, you know. So yeah, yeah, I was very proud of. Of, of that book actually yeah did you read it first with your children before before getting it out into the world putting yeah. it out into the world yeah no I did I did and I think maybe this was 2018 so yeah might have been a bit bit young maybe although Otis he's always you know Otis is always con- complimentary he's 10 now but you know he's, he's oh yeah I like that dad um, <laughs> but um, actually after after their granddad died in January, we they they listened to the audiobook. Amazing. Um, so my wife put it on and, and played it. And I was downstairs. I couldn't be up, I'd be in bits, but um they were listening to it. And I tried to take myself out of out of the body of the person who was obviously narrating and had written the story and, and just yeah, I mean it's a really powerful feeling to know that, you know, you've written something that, that might help a child or a hundred percent. I can imagine also that for the parent is such a relief as well, you know, having a book that can mm. help you to approach it and have those conversations. It's a bit like Disney, you know, like Disney's made for the parents as well. Yeah. I love, do you know what I mean? Like hidden, you know, just there's obviously like on the surface, it's, it's, um, characters cartoons is the word i was looking for cartoons but uh, you know underneath it there's a whole story and there are layers to that and there are little snippets that are always like those like nuggets of gold left for for adults in there and um and imagine that like your job writing these books is to speak to those two audiences as well right because those are the parents are the ones sharing that obviously with their kids yeah absolutely you've got to think you do have to sort of think with that that sort of uh, frame of mind, really, um, because firstly, that you know, normally the adults pick up the book; they're the ones that are buying mm, it. They're the ones exactly. that read that. This is what it's about. Mm. You know, they have to picture themselves feeling comfortable to to tell them, you know, the yeah, story. Definitely. And so, yeah, you have to think about both audiences. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. So we're coming on to our next song, Mark. What is the name of the song? And tell us briefly why you've chosen it. Trying to remember what I said earlier. I definitely ne- never too much. It was <laughs> never, never too, too much. Never okay, too much. never too much. Right? Yeah. So uh, Luther Van Dross reminds me of my wife and I, and you know, I, I guess our wedding. Um, and they just thought that the, the feeling, a feel good um, element of the song, mm. just you know, I, you know, for me as well. My wife is someone that's kind of sort of dragged me out of the darkness with my grief, but has really made me see my grief and made me open up to talk about my grief. And so, mm. you know, this this song, if anything, it kind of resonates and, and embodies her. You know, it's that positivity that she brings, that energy um, that she brings to our lives. And so, yeah, this song this song always reminds me of, of Simone. I have to say, this would be a massive contender for my own funeral playlist. <laughs> I have to say... <laughs>
way, this week's episode has been sponsored by Aura, a platform run by my good friend and his dad. Together, they're trying to normalise the conversations around death by giving people the opportunity to plan and organise their end of life together with their loved ones. Basically, you can use Aura to store and share your end-of-life wishes, funeral plans, including songs, and some other really important bits related to both life and death. It really is quite something, so definitely check them out at www.aura.life. Right, now back to Deathbed Discs. I would go so far as to say that's one of my top songs from Deathbed Discs so far. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's a proper good one that one isn't it that's a banger yes um so i've seen a lot online that you post around kind of like the connection between time and grief and i thought it'd be really interesting to sort of unpack that further and hear from you what you thought that relationship was like the connection between time and grief yeah I th- for many for many years i thought time would be my healer but it, it hasn't been and it, it, it isn't and uh I think that's the, um, the sort of preconception that we need to smash is that um, mm. the time won't heal your grief. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here 29 years on, and uh, my grief can can be still as strong on some days, and then obviously lighter on others. And and I think that's why that's why I'm quite passionate about just telling people that's not the case. Um, but also being honest enough to say that I did think that that would be the case, you know, and yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I always say that you know, uh, time isn't a healer, but time will teach you how to wear your grief, you know. And it's and I always see it. For me, it's like a coat. Some days it's heavy, some days it's light, and you know, it might be light today, and it's fine, and I'm alright. But then tomorrow it might feel heavy, and that's okay as well. And I think that's, that's sort of the whole time element. Um, yeah, it's why I'm quite sort of passionate about just telling people on Instagram or where that, mm. you know, don't, that you will never get over this grief, but you will learn how to, to live with it, you know, mm. and that's, it's such an important message for anybody who, uh, who isn't grieving, who might not have lost someone to understand how maybe they can support a friend that um you know their friend who they look supporting now in 10 years they might still be in that same place but you know you can help them get to that point and support them every day you know whether they're down or up you know i think it's just yeah it's quite a big one you know the whole time time thing i think also we've just been taught this idea that it's like oh you know time will time will heal you'll feel better in a few years time or in a few years time it will be so further away but you know it won't be as fresh the wound won't be as fresh right it's this idea that it will be less and less but you really hit the nail on the head there saying that like time will teach you how to wear your grief better and, Mm. and and will teach you sort of, I guess, also perspective. But I guess it's so funny because then you have all these theories and all these thoughts, but then suddenly when grief comes into you, it just kind of all just, you know, it's time is such a weird one. Like suddenly it feels like 29 years is like a second or, you know, two years is like a, a second. It, it really, the concept yeah. of tra- time is a strange one. Yeah. I've just, it's funny. I've been, time has taught me so much, you know, I can yeah. say that much, you know, I've, where I am now it's taught me so much Mm. and you know 
maybe where I would feel a lot younger, I feel older than what I am because of all I've experienced and, you know, the way that I think maybe is slightly different to someone who hasn't lost someone, you know, yeah. who hasn't experienced grief. And, and I think that goes to, for anyone who's lost someone one year ago, two months ago, you know, you've kind of, you feel that weight of, of wow, my, my, my world has changed forever and my sort of my soul and my being and, and actually, um, I've just started writing a, a new book um, to do with grief for all ages. Um, and I said to my wife the other day, I was like, I couldn't have written this a year ago or two years ago. It feels yeah. like the right time because I feel like I have, <laughs> so like a CV, but I've 29 years of experience of just, okay, I feel maybe now is the right time to write this book, you know, mm. to tell my story, to to tell other people's stories, and 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 um, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about giving people hope through their grief as well. Yeah, and and just saying, look, you know, it's shit, <laughs> shit, it's awful, but you can go through your life to experience good things, and there is a light mm. at the end of the dark tunnel. And, you know, it's not always going to be like this. Um, it's very difficult to see that when you're in the moment and, yeah. and you're, in, you're in that tunnel. But, yeah, so it kind of, I, in terms of time, there's so much that I've learned along the way. Mm, I yeah. guess that, that also feeds into that sort of um, conversation around, like, how can we grieve well, right? Um, like, mm. what what does it mean to grieve well, really? I was thinking that this morning, like, what does it actually mean to, to grieve well? And is there such a thing? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there is. I mean, you know, you grieve how you want to grieve. I yeah. think that's the other big message is that no one's grief is, is like yours, you know, mm. um, which I think it was David Kessler who, who, who said a similar thing. Um, it's just, you know, there's no grief like your own. There's no pain like your own. And, and you can't benchmark yours against somebody else. It's, it's like the same in terms of if someone dies of cancer or someone dies from, you know, a traumatic loss, you know, you, you can't, you can't compare, compare it, you know, you yeah, can't compare 100%. it. And, and I think sometimes people do, you know, and it's, um, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, well, a post I did last night in terms of how you talk to people. Mm, you know, I saw that, word, yeah. The words that you say and how, mm. you know, don't get me wrong, um, there's always good will in what people are trying to say, perhaps, but there's no harm in educating and letting them know that some things, if you don't know what to say, just don't say anything at all, you know, because mm. more often than not, they just want you to know you're there, you know, they just want to know. I think one of those things is when someone says when, you know, when an older person has died, they're like, oh, well, it was, you know, they're at their end yeah. anyway. And I, yes, and it is true. I've always just like that and I do get what you're saying like I think people it's just it's just you know in the society we live in the western society because of our inability to express these kind of conversations we then kind of stumble and clumsy mm. like and it's like well they were at their end anyway you know they were 93 and it's like it doesn't make it any less painful. Mm. It doesn't make it any less real. It doesn't make it any less what it is. Like it, it is a death of someone. And I think that that is said a lot and is thrown, that sentence is thrown about a lot. It's almost like yeah. because of that, it's it's a, a less death and, you know, less, you're allowed to grieve less than a, than maybe a sudden death or something like that, right? It's a, Or a younger death, for example, as well. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's stronger. You know, my 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 mother-in-law 
has just lost her husband after 50 years of marriage, you know, and it's mm. like 50 years. <laughs> you know, you're waking up every day, you're cooking for them every day, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. You know? And so when somebody walks up to this and says, well, at least he lived till he was 80, it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah completely, yeah. I think C.S. Lewis wrote a book called A Grief Observed. And yeah. I'm not sure if you've read it, but... No, I'd it, love to read that. It's, yeah. it's great. It's one of the first books that I read when, when everything kind of happened to me. And I and um, I went to Daunt Books and I asked if there were any books on grief. And they took me to the self-help book section, which I always found that a bit strange. Kind of like it's in the self-help, almost as if it's I like think, a... I think they're still in that section in Waterstones. I went in there the other day. And which I, I find weird, the fact that it is in a self-help. It, it makes it feel like it's an illness or a problem, the fact that you want to learn about... Do you know what I mean in that yeah. way? Like, it's yeah. like, oh, it's in the self-help book. Like, it's you obviously need help for it rather than looking at it from a different lens in my in my view, right? I just always yeah. felt like a bit like, I don't know, I felt like it didn't sit right with me that it was called the self-help section. But anyway, C.S. Lewis talks about he he would like walk on the street and he would see people that would know that his wife had just died and that he would see the panic on their face coming up towards them and they and then you get treated as if you've got like an illness almost and they kind of don't know how to talk about it and then some don't and they kind of just ignore the massive elephant in the room and you're like you can't mm. say it like it's okay like say it and yeah. and also or they'll stumble you know and you kind of feel like you're the one that has an illness walking around and 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 you see kind of people's panic. And, and I remember thinking that, um, like even when it happened to me and then being at work and people would just not talk about it at work. And I'm like, you guys all know that this has happened, but no one said anything to me, not in a bad way, but and I, I was very sensitive to that. And I was like, okay, I know that it is that kind of, that long stretch of wanting to not overstep and kind of that kind of fine line between what do you say, what do you not say? But it's so yeah. interesting that that's kind of the dynamics that are created. You should read the C.S. Lewis books because it's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, no, I saw, there was a quote that popped up the other day. I was like, I need to, I need to read this book, yeah. Oh, from Grief Observed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to read that. Yeah, it's great. It's Yeah, it's good. Um, so, Mark, what is your next song? And please tell us why. I believe my next song is 10cc, uh, Dreadlock Holiday. And it reminds me of my dad again, just for my, it, we, we've got quite close affiliation with Jamaica and I'd been there quite a few times before I'd met my wife anyway. And my mum lived there in the fifties. And anyway, so we, I'd been there when I was younger. And so my dad sort of picked up reggae and loved all, and he just used to play this song and it just reminds me. Yeah, it just reminds me, I think of like summer times he used to play it in the living room and we'd, yeah. Yeah, it's just really resonates. bringing the tunes today like honestly <laughs> <laughs> i'm loving that these. Is a, that is a good one that is a good one just back to the kind of more funeral technicalities have you ever thought if you'd like people to wear something specific for your funeral 
Oh, no black. We don't need black at my funeral, you know. I don't. We don't need any of that. I think just wear what you like, bright colours, I would suggest. Yeah. You know, just, just, yeah. It's, it should be a celebration, shouldn't it? It's, you know, you you lived your life, you know, to the full. It's it's kind of, you should celebrate someone's life to the full. That's the way I kind of view it, you know. It's just come and wear in bright colours and... Um, Actually, my wife went to someone's funeral last year and it was the same thing. They were like, wear bright colours, please. Bright colours, please, on the thing. And it was just, I thought it was amazing, you know. Yeah. It's what you want. How about you? Thank you for asking me, actually. I haven't been asked that. Um, I haven't actually ever been asked that before. <laughs> um, and I've spoken about this now with a lot of people. Um, definitely colours, yes. Definitely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want sort of... I just want everyone to wear what what they would want really as well like I mm. I fully agree with with what you're saying and you know I think this whole the approach that we have to death should be is you know I'm very interested in kind of unpacking that and and turning it around and challenging that and and letting people just express themselves the way they want and come in and celebrate your life you know the way the way you want and also I think just based on the songs that you have and my songs are, I wouldn't say they're similar, but I like, I I don't know, like good vibe as well. Like I feel like they lend themselves to like a big celebration. Yeah. That's what it should be, shouldn't it really? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, Mark, I wanted to ask you, you'd kind of touched on it before. Do you believe in the afterlife? I believe in a higher energy. Um, I believe yeah, I don't believe you just go in the ground or, where, you know, you're mated mm. and that's it. Um, I feel my dad's energy too much to think that he's not around um, mm. or that you don't go somewhere or something happens, you know. And so, yeah, I believe in something else. Absolutely. Um, I I don't know. I've always, I mean, I've always said I've, I've felt from a after my dad died I felt sort of pushed and driven and guided and and I've known when my dad's around um it's funny you just know you just mm. feel that tingle up your spine I just know he's in the room and that's when I I think that's when I get most emotional sometimes I just get yeah. that kind of wave you know and that's when I know he's with me it's that that kind of why am I crying oh, oh wow you know or I ask a question Sometimes I just ask a question, you know, like, am I doing the right thing or am I, mm. you know, and, and more often than not, I get kind of that sense of that feeling of uh, just kind of, and I know it sounds cliche, but just feeling cold and a tingle and yeah, that sort of hairs on your arm. Yeah. That physical sensation. That's so interesting. Mm. I wonder if your thought of that has, I guess, changed throughout the years if you always kind of thought that as well, or did that change once, I guess you yeah. were, you know, you were very young, so perhaps you hadn't contemplated it, you know, to the same extent that perhaps you would have already contemplated it now. But um, I wonder if that's kind of changed at all. I guess that would also be just the broader question, like your views on death and how that have changed, how they have changed. Yeah, I think, it, I, yeah, you're right. So I was 12, so it's quite hard to, yeah. um, to remember if I was really in tune to it to death but I don't think I was 
something I was really shied away from if it was being spoken about. Um, but I think throughout the years, I think if anything, it's grown stronger, that feeling, you know, mm. of understanding it more, of tuning into it a bit more mm -hmm. and actually realizing that, okay, there might be something here. For many years, maybe after my dad's death, I didn't really think about it. But then yeah. slowly but surely, you know, you might get certain signs or, you know, I mean, for inststance, 12 has always been a massive part of my life. Number 12, you know, and not well, only in the, am I the born, number 12, number 12, yeah. not only am I born 12, 12, 1978, but my dad died on the 12th. Um, and there always seems to be these key things that happen on the 12th. And it's, it's really odd. And I can't, and I was talking to someone else about this the other day. Oh, it was um, someone, Kate Rothschild for my podcast and she was saying number eight has always been hugely significant mm. and you know some would say coincidence but I I I don't know I don't believe that so anyway yeah it's, throughout it's, my life I think I've yeah it's funny I saw that it was 12th of May which was yeah which is actually my mum's birthday <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, yeah. <laughs> there you go, here we are, talking, you know. Um, I know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. big um, believer in that as well with sort of, yeah. my One of my best friends um, says she's always been kind of, says she's followed by the number 222. Yeah. Which I've heard a lot about and it's funny since I've met her, I don't know if it's part, I mean, again, it's that kind of being in tune to it, being more aware of it as well. But like, I'm always kind of on the lookout for that and it gives me great comfort when I do see it as well. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I never, I mean, I'd never look at my phone and go, 12, 12. Oh, wow. You know, before, but yeah. now I do. Yeah, I me do. Too. I kind I'm of, I'm thinking, okay. So there's that old sort of, if you see two numbers together, you know, and, and so sometimes I actually look up and I'm like, oh, what does that actually mean? What's that supposed to mean? You yeah. Know? And uh, What does it say? And, yeah. Well, sometimes if it's 12-12 or if it's 11-11, I, I yeah. sort of really, sort of, I think about something that maybe I'm trying to do at the time and really try and hone in on. On what it is. Just, yeah, focusing on that thing. If it's something mm. I really want to do or, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one, but Yeah. It's a great one. I think it's just the little nuggets of comfort throughout the day. That, and also just like, it's almost like that little voice being like, you're doing the right thing or you're on the right path or you're yeah. where you are meant to be. For me, I see them as that. Yes. They're kind yeah. of great reassurers, those numbers. Sometimes you don't need to look further than that, I don't think. You know, like no. I just said, I'm yeah. on the right track. Yeah. I mean, I even had that when I, again, don't know why I'm going back to a plane today. Another plane I got on literally just after Simon, my, when my stepfather had passed away and they put me on seat 1A and I was like, this is definitely Simon. This is definitely yeah. my stepdad. <laughs> so just little things like that. Um, so Mark, what is your fourth song? And please, could you tell us why? Yes, yeah, so the fourth one is Hans Zimmerman um, and it's from the film last samurai and it's i think it's called a way of life and basically well i watched the film and i love the soundtrack and um i was writing my article for the guardian newspaper back in was it 2017 yeah anyway um i had to delve into all the old newspaper clippings and articles um as to what happened to my dad and i remember listening to this soundtrack whilst writing that article and 
I remember at times just being in bits and just mm. crying my eyes out and just, you know, because things obviously that you forget about from that day that obviously come back because you're delving into all of these um, memories and emotions and um, and the story. And and it really just, and I, and I was listening to it last, uh, on my dad's anniversary, just gone. And it was the same. So it's kind of one of those tunes that if I really do want to feel my dad, even though he never heard it himself, there's something about it that really resonates. And I think that's why I turned around for the first time to my wife the other day. I said, I want this song played at my funeral, please. You know, mm. and and I just, yeah, it just, my, in terms of my life, and it's something about it that just, that just really resonates. Yeah. That was beautiful. I mean, and it kind of, as it grows throughout the song as well, it kind of really, it's that kind of, it's a bit haunting in a way, but there's something in it that sort of reminds me of a bit of hope. And mm. yeah, it's really weird how that song just came along and, and now I've held on to it. Um, yeah, but that's music, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I saw somewhere online where you spoke about... Um, the idea of like when someone dies, like someone, something, a part of you dies too. And this idea that like um, this kind of before and after and and how, you know, we wouldn't really be here if hadn't that not happened to you 29 years ago or had that not happened to me three years ago. And I'm fascinated by the sort of before and after. Um, could you explain a bit more about that? Yeah. It's powerful, quite powerful words when you think about it, but you just change as a person forever, you know, mm. and it's something, there's there's part of you, there's a part of your soul that dies, you know. When that person dies, it's gone, you know. It's like, especially when it's your dad or, you know, a member of your family, you, there's something inside of you that just leaves forever. And, um, and I think, you know, the way that my dad died as well as... Um, you know, was more sort of cut and sudden. And it yeah. was like, literally someone had come up to me and chopped my arm off there and then. And mm. that, that was me for the rest of my life. And and um, so, yeah, when I saw, you know, part of you dies, you know, with them and um, you're not the same person anymore. And, and I think as well, it's more for the people that are around you, you know, your friends and your family members that are trying to support you is just to understand that, You'll, you'll never be the same person. And they have to adapt to you, not you to them, you know? Mm. And, I've, and that's something I've said before as well, is it's, it's, not, it's not your obligation to, to adapt to those people, you know? They have to kind of understand that you, as a person, are not the same. Yeah. And, um, and they have to understand that, you know? Yeah, that's so true. I think also, yeah, when you talk about something so sudden as well, it's almost like that catching of breath that it's just catches you so by surprise as well. It's called traumatic bereavement. If I'm, mm, yeah, mm. I wouldn't even know, like, because I guess like with me, 
you know, in my experience, again, it's not, we said before, you can't compare, but I am, I am, it is, it's a type of grief that um, even myself who is in the world of grief and who has felt grief firsthand, I don't think I really, I don't understand even myself what that grief is like, because I feel that it is a different type of grief. And obviously it's your own grief and your, your journey is so specific, right? And so um, I just, yeah, I'm just very interested in, in hearing about how does one even begin to cope with that kind of, you know, scale of it. And yeah. yeah, it's really difficult. It's that's why I say 29 years later, I'm still dealing with it because, yeah. you know, you never deal with it. You know, it's you're 12 years old the day before you're with your dad and having a laugh, you know, I can't remember what we did the day before, but mm. I, would, I would imagine, you know, he might've come outside, play football with me, whatever it might've been. Mm. And then I would just see him in the doorway and it's like, right, I'll see you later. And then the next minute, that's the last time you ever see them and they're gone. And it's, you know, and through through a mindless uh, act of sort of violence and murder, you know, they're, they're you know, someone that you love more, on, more than anything on earth has, has just suddenly disappeared from your life forever. And, and then you have to pick up the pieces. And then... Yeah. Um, and I think for many years you deal with the sense of um, numbness and, and uh, not, you know, not accepting that maybe I had changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I'd sort of made peace with myself, not made peace with myself in terms of the anger and the vengeance that I felt towards the man that did it. I think that was mm. that was that was the biggest decision that I've ever made in my life because otherwise I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I would have been expelled from school. Definitely. Um, and yeah, so it's about making key decisions. And you have to, and this is why, this is why earlier when I said, I feel I've been driven by something, by an mm. entity, by a spirit, by a power, whatever it is, to say, no, Mark, you're not going that way, you're going yeah. that way, you know. And, um, and I've always really believed that. And I believe now that this is, you know, although going through all of that pain um, has taught me so much, and this is where I am meant to be right now, is just trying to help others, I guess, you know, but like you do with this podcast, it's mm. like just raising the subject, talking about it, writing about it, letting people understand that it's okay how they're feeling. Um, you know, I'm, very, I'm always very conscious about not chucking it down people's throats in terms of my own grief and, and how my dad dies. Because like we talked about earlier, you know, you can't compare grief in terms of, you know, how someone's died. But um, I do know that the way my dad died has taught me a lot, you know, along the way. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. A lot of strength and a lot of resilience, um, a mm. lot of emotions. I re it really resonates with me, the sort of way that you've used in that to, to drive you to creating your podcast and to helping others with your books and to helping children. And it's so commendable how you've used that like anger and frustration and catapulted that into a different world. And it's immensely commendable. And, and I'm sure it's helped so many people. Thank you. I think that's why I called my podcast Grief is My Superpower is because yeah. it took me a long time to get there. Yeah. But it is my superpower. Mm. You know, I've, I've harnessed all of that pain and that loss and that grief and that mm. trauma just to say, look, no, fuck it. I am here and I'm 
here to try and make use of all that shit that I went through because, you know, mm. my dad did not die in vain in terms of, you know, in that manner. And, you know, and if there's any way you can build a legacy for the loved ones that have died, then do it, you know, however you do it. It doesn't matter, you know, it's kind of because you're honouring them, you're you're telling the stories about them, you're, you know, and this is why I'm quite passionate about um, bringing, making my dad relevant in everyday conversations with my kids, you know, mm. it's just because, you know, even if it's a small thing like, oh, grandpa used to do this when to get me to sleep or whatever, you know, yeah. it's kind of, and they're like, oh, right. And it's, it's continuing his legacy and continuing the bonds um that we have for those that have died and and um you know whether you're podcasting or whether you're writing a book or you know um or whether you're just simply i don't know you're you know using artwork or or music you know and it's just mm. an expression isn't it a hundred percent talking about legacies we're also nearing the end of today's deathbed disc session which has been absolutely wonderful um, how would you, Mark Lemon, like to be remembered? Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? That's, I, I, <laughs> um, I would like to be remembered as uh, making a difference, hopefully. Um, not allowing what happened to me at a young age to determine my future. Mm. Um, just sort of simply saying... This is not gonna. This is not gonna ruin my life, um, and in turn, I'm gonna hopefully um, help people in the, you know, help others. And yeah. uh, I think that's all we can do when we when we go is literally what well, the, the 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 memories and the special thoughts that people have of you. And I hope that I hope that I leave some of those with with some people. I'm sure you definitely will. <laughs> Thank you so much for today, Mark. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you about all of these topics and listening to your amazing song choices. And um, thank you for coming on Deathbed Discs. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Deathbed Discs. It's been a pleasure to have you with us and I really hope you can listen to the next one. If you'd like to write in about anything that we've talked about on the show or even want to send us your own song choices, you can email us at deathbeddiscs at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at deathbeddiscs. This show has been produced by Audio Commune and sponsored by Aura. And lastly, don't forget to tune into our Spotify Deathbed Discs playlist where you can listen to all the songs in their full, uncut and beautiful glory. Until next time, take care and see you soon. <laughs>